coming up on this episode of The Hive Life. But we're gonna give them something that's long form and we're gonna give them something that we get into the weeds and we're gonna try to give them something that is not a sales pitch, but that is truly adding value to them and truly authentic and honest. Welcome to The Hive Life, where we pull back the curtain on Spherical Media, a company based in Charlotte, North Carolina, with a team of former journalists that create beautiful, impactful stories that connect with your audience. Welcome to this edition of The Hive Life Podcast. I'm Jared Latch. As part of our new website launch, we produced a couple of live stream segments from our office in the south end of Charlotte. One of these segments was a conversation with Greg Campion of Bearings. Greg has spent the last 20 years in the world of finance, including his first eight at Lehman Brothers in New York City, another four in Boston before relocating to Charlotte in 2012. He joined Babson in 2013, now Bearings, to help create investment-focused content. Here's the conversation with myself, Tim Bear, and Greg, starting with a significant event that occurred while he was on his honeymoon. First eight years of my career were with Lehman Brothers. Um, you may have heard the financial crisis didn't go terribly well for the brothers, um, but, uh, but yeah, I was actually married um, two weeks before the uh, Lehman bankruptcy and uh, was on my honeymoon in Mexico uh, at the time, and I recall um, kind of sitting there with my wife trying to take in some sun and all that kind of stuff, but she was not pleased that I was um, constantly on the Blackberry. She, she was like, really guy you're on the blackberry on our honeymoon and i was like no you don't understand like the world is literally blowing up um so when we got back to uh boston by that time i had moved from new york to boston uh you know sunday morning uh, a call from my boss saying hey if you want any of your stuff i think we're going bankrupt tomorrow you better come wow. to the office tonight so you know pretty wild um pretty wild ride there um learned a tremendous amount learned a lot about leadership and managing crisis situations and, and all that kind of stuff but um, you know they say kind of uh, in your wedding vows it's for better or for worse it was kind of the worst right right off the bat so um, so let's talk about your current role with bearings what you do in that role and and I guess a little bit for those out there that don't know bearings that well sure uh, the story on bearings as well yeah absolutely so um, so bearings is a is a global asset management and capital solutions uh, provider so the firm um, it's quite large, manages about $300 billion um, in assets under management on behalf of clients, uh, manages fixed income, real estate, equities, alternatives, really a kind of broad array of asset classes. Um, really a global company in the true sense of the word. So uh, as you all know, we're uh, very proud to be headquartered here in Charlotte, uh, where we've got several hundred people uh, right up on Tryon Street. Um, but also a really big presence with a few hundred people in London, really big presence in Hong Kong, Taiwan, Seoul, Korea, Berlin, um, Sydney, you name it, right? So uh, really a true, truly global company. We can maybe talk a little bit later about some of the challenges that that presents as, sure. as marketers. Um, my role is I'm part of the global marketing team, so I head up our investment content team. Um, so really it's my job to work with the investment professionals of the firm and try to tell their stories and communicate their views to our clients and our prospective clients. And that can take a lot of different forms, right? So it could be papers. And when I first started, 
you know, at the firm back in 2013, it was almost exclusively written content. Mm, okay. um, then we moved into videos. Most recently, we moved into uh, podcasts as well. So really, at the end of the day, what I'm trying to do is um, take, help take the, these really smart thoughts that are going on in the heads of uh, all these investment professionals around the world and get them communicated to our clients and our prospective clients in a way that they want to digest it. And I know that you're a big, uh, obviously, proponent of storytelling in general, and you mm -hmm. talked about how it can take so many different forms. Mm -hmm. How are you using it? You mentioned the podcast or some other video, but why storytelling? And is, sure. is it the underlying connection to your audience, like you just mentioned, the, mm -hmm. the key? Yeah, I mean, I think about, you know, some of it actually comes back to kind of who we are as a firm to some degree. So, you know, one of the things that I recognized immediately when I walked into uh, what was then Babson, now Bearings, seven years ago, was the culture of the firm was all about humility and all about kind of a team-driven approach. So it wasn't and it isn't necessarily a natural thing for our investment professionals to want to get in front of a camera and say, we're so great and our performance <laughs> is awesome and this and that, right? It's, it's, it just kind of feels kind of icky to them, right? What we realized uh, a more effective way and also a way that our investment teams are happy to do it is, is to take the storytelling approach. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, some asset classes are easier than others. So if you talk about something like high yield, which we have a really big presence in, or private debt, those can be a little harder to kind of visualize. But other asset classes, and, and by the way, in some of those, we'll, we will do quote-unquote talking head videos and Right. You know, we, we, can, we can talk about those. I've learned a lot over the years around, um, around creating those, and it probably mainly boils down to shorter is better. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but if you take some other asset classes, for instance, real estate, right? What a great visual asset class for storytelling, right? So, um, you know, maybe to give you an example, if you think about, uh, if you think about real estate, you know, again, rather than going to the portfolio managers on the real estate team and saying, hey, can we do a video where you say, you know, what the performance has been and, and uh, all these strategies that you're in, no, they're not really interested. But hey, we know about this project that you just did, completed out in Seattle um, uh, that was basically a hole in the ground two years ago and is now a beautiful state-of-the-art 37-story tower. Like, can we tell that story of Madison Center, this beautiful property that Bearings was really involved with um, uh, researching the neighborhood from the get-go, researching the trends that were making that in an attractive place to invest, um, all the way through to partnering with you know, construction firms to put it up and, and, and then get the building leased. Like, that's a really interesting story and a visually interesting story. Right. And we can tell that and we have told that story in two minutes in a, in a, in a, in a beautiful video. And, and, and at the end of the day, I think uh, our clients are much more likely to engage with that because rather than telling them, we're showing them, right? And that's a big distinction. So that, that's, for me, that's, that's a lot of what it comes down to. And then in some of the work we've done with you guys, we've worked on some of your community outreach mm -hmm. and the social impact that Bearings has had. Um, and I know that, I think Jared's got one of the videos set up to roll. If we want to let Elgin roll that real quick so that we can give them a taste of it and sure. then we'll talk some more about it. Yeah. I joined the Heart Math tutoring program about four years ago. We go into schools and we tutor elementary school students in really basic math skills. 
We have the ability as employees to take just a small portion of our day and make an impact on the community. Yeah, that's exactly right. Great job. Even if it may be a small impact where you're working with one individual student, all those small impacts start to add up. All right, so obviously you didn't see that example right now, but mm -hmm. you've seen it before. Have, yeah. And if we talk about what you guys are focusing on in that piece of the storytelling, um, I know that you aren't completely over top of that right now, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. we've been working with Aaron and your team as mm -hmm. well. And mm -hmm. I mean, just talk a little bit about that, that process and what, what the reasoning behind that is for Bearings. Yeah, sure. So um, Bearings Social Impact uh, was launched in 2019. Uh, really what that is is um, it's an effort by our firm to be strategic in our philanthropy, in our, uh, all the hours that our employees are, are putting uh, forth in, in service. Um, and so my colleague uh, Aaron Brandstrom, as you mentioned, has spearheaded this, this effort. And it's been really, really awesome to see the energy uh, around the firm. Uh, as you know, uh, we, are army, we are armies of uh, people in blue t-shirts, yes. uh, and so that, that's kind of when you're volunteering on any given day, you wear the blue t-shirt, um, and, and actually that's really quickly become a just known part of our culture. In, on any given day, you see three or five or ten people in blue t-shirts, and it's, oh, where are, you, where are you going today? What are you doing? There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of activity going on, and really what we're trying to do is uh, have our employees lead the engagement with our communities in terms of supporting our communities around things like education, other types of causes that are really important to us um, as a firm. So why would we want to tell this story in video? Great question. There's, there's um, a couple of different reasons. I would say, you know, from an internal perspective, you know, I mentioned earlier that we're very much a global firm. You know, one of the challenges being a global firm is having our employee base feel connected to one another, right? Sure. And this, this is really a firm-wide global initiative. So we may have our colleagues out in Berlin doing um, you know, a 5K to support cancer, or we may have the teams here in Charlotte you know, uh, working, you know, tutoring for HeartMath or Y Readers um, or other types of organizations. But really, it's about fostering that connection, right? And actually, I, I, I spoke with Erin earlier this week and one of the main um, pieces of feedback that she received from our associates around those internal videos that um, Spiracle helped us produce was that uh, they felt that we really captured the essence of the firm. They really captured who we are as a firm, which was a really cool compliment, and I think it's a great testament awesome. to, the, to the work that, that you, on, you and your teams do. I guess the other element would be from an external standpoint as well, right? So, you know, we love the idea of sharing some of these stories externally, and we'll do that on LinkedIn and other places. But um, you know, one is really just to highlight um, or to spotlight some of these great organizations and the wonderful work that they are doing. So anything that we can do to really be a part of supporting that, we, we absolutely want to do. And the other thing is honestly just being more connected to our communities where mm -hmm. we all work and live. Like We are part of this, here in Charlotte, we are part of this community. It's important to us to support things like education, economic mobility. I mean, we're heavily incentivized for this stuff to work long term in Charlotte and, and, and in all of our other cities around the world. So, sure. so part of it is, you know, we want to kind of lift the veil a little bit and we don't want people to just walk down Tryon Street and see the Bearings logo and say, yeah, I don't really know who those guys are. Well, this is who we are. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a really important story for us to tell. 
And I want to share a couple of the numbers from last year because this was the first time that you launched the program last fall. You had greater than 3,000 hours volunteered internally with mm -hmm. your associates. Mm -hmm. 97 events, 859 associates volunteered, 16 offices, seven countries, <laughs> touch points globally, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. that, that encapsulates who you are. Yeah. It's really impressive telling the stories of those organizations as well as the external, internal facing forbearings in particular, and there's, there's certainly a motivational and, and contagion effect yeah, that's right. that, that reaches far outside of the walls of That's bearings. right. It's been really cool to see um, my colleague Erin Brandstrom and her team deserve all the credit for mobilizing uh, our, our associates, and uh, everyone has really bought into it, which has been really cool. So let's take this into the, a different direction now. We want to touch on the audio. Yes. Podcasting. Yes. It's the other part of your life right now. <laughs> about. You, increasing, you uh, yeah, increasing part for sure. So mm -hmm. easy question, why the podcast? Yeah, that's a great question. So I guess if I think back, if I rewind a couple of years, I mean, I guess we as a firm, as a marketing team, we're really looking at what, what trends we're seeing out there in terms of content. How are our clients and our prospective clients and other stakeholders really consuming content, right? And we saw this kind of train coming down the tracks that was this audio revolution and looking at some of the numbers around, wow, people are really engaging with this. And, and then we, we started to see it in our own behavior, right? I remember, you know, probably the first one for me several years ago now was the Serial uh, podcast, probably still one of the best known um, yeah. story narrative storytelling podcasts. Um, that for me kind of opened up my eyes and then uh, honestly, when the New York Times launched The Daily in 2017, um, for me personally, it was just kind of like, wow, these guys just <laughs> took it to another level in terms sure. of highly produced storytelling that adds value and it's really authentic content. Going back now to late 2018, we, we recognized all these trends and we said, you know, we are delivering content to our clients and prospective clients in written form, we're delivering it in video form, would they want to consume it in audio form? And honestly, we didn't know. Um, so we launched with a couple of episodes, but the thesis was really, we're gonna give people something that is long form, so there was definitely a lot of skepticism internally. Wow, you're gonna do something that's 25, 30 minutes, um, when everything in video had been really sure, sure, going sure. the other yeah, direction. Right. But we're going to give them something that's long form and we're going to give them something that we get into the weeds and we're going to try to give them something that is not a sales pitch, but that is truly adding value to them and, and truly authentic and honest. And we can get into some of that and because I've learned a lot over the last year plus uh, around trying to create that content. But that, that's really what we were trying to do is, is make sure we are consistently meeting our clients where they want to be met. And so that's, that was the impetus for launching the podcast. What do you think has been the biggest challenge in, in that process? I mean, um, it's like you talked about, going into the weeds, those kind of things that sometimes people are reticent to do. Yep. I mean, how hard has it been for you guys to get some rhythm, some momentum? You're putting them out every two weeks. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. um, what, what has been the hardest thing for you as an organization? Uh, you know, I will say that our team and our client base, uh, after probably the first, you know, we've got probably 25 episodes done now at this stage. After probably the first five episodes, it was really clear that this was, that it was resonating. So that was 
gave us the confidence to kind of keep keep moving forward. Um, you know, I think the hardest things are trying to figure out who you're making this for, and um, and then also this kind of concept of authenticity, right? And so, in terms of trying to who you're trying to make it for, I think you know there's there's a temptation to try to make something that. I want to make this podcast go viral. You know, how many how many uh, listens does the daily get? That's our goal. You know, and then you and then of course you spend the last two minutes of the daily episode listening to the thirty five names that they read out and who's making it. And you realize, well, maybe that's not quite achievable. But um, so for us, it was trying to narrow in. What are we trying to do? Where do we think we can actually add value? And where we landed was. You know, I mentioned this kind of like team based approach and the humility and the culture and. Where we really thought we had something different was we had these experts in all these different asset classes, and they were truly, I mean, for lack of a better phrase, just good people, right? Yeah. And so we thought, you know, I'm doing these interviews anyways, because I'm often producing written pieces with these uh, portfolio managers and Q&As and that sort of stuff. Why don't we start recording them? And, but, but, but really just focusing on, uh, you know, who are we trying to make this for? And so we zeroed in on this kind of, the podcast is called Streaming Income. We zeroed in on this idea of income. And really we decided, okay, we need to make this for institutional investors. So that's a chief investment officer at a pension fund or an insurance company. You know, this is all like B2B type mm -hmm. stuff that we're talking about. Um, and let's make this 25 minutes. If they give us 25 minutes of their life, let's give them something really valuable. And the topics can be pretty niche, right? So, uh, you know, while it's very nice of my mom to listen to our episode on collateralized <laughs> loan obligations, um, the reality is that's not necessarily yeah, made. I hope she's watching this as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So, 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 so. Hi, mom. Um, you know, that's not necessarily made for a broad audience. So sure. we're not necessarily expecting that to like go viral, so to speak. But we really want to make something that is valuable to to this really specific group of people that are that we're targeting. And then maybe just the last point I'll make is just on this idea of authenticity and being honest and transparent. Um, you know, it's funny, I, I listen back to the first couple of episodes that we make and they make me cringe a little bit <laughs> because it was, they were too, too sales pitchy. Yeah. Um, and this is something that, you know, we'll, I'll do some prep time every, uh, before a podcast with, with an investment professional. And they all feel very strongly about the firm and their product and they want to tell people about it. And they want to say, well, this, you know, well, we have so many investment professionals and here are all the ways we're different. And I, I almost on a weekly basis have to keep reminding myself that if this were podcast were just a bearing sales pitch right. on a product or fund or something like that, I would, I know I would not want to listen to that. Right. Right. But if it is an expert in a field telling you something that you're not going to get in the Wall Street Journal or Bloomberg because you know sometimes they can't go deep enough. If you're going to get some truly value add and, and an honest take on it, meaning, hey, I'm going to ask you tough questions like, um, what did you get wrong last year? Sure. You know, what is the hardest decision you're grappling with right now? Um, if we can achieve that, then I think we we produce something that is truly valuable for our clients, and that's what we're trying to do. One, cool. one follow-up question on that, Greg. When you have this, this pool of potential content yep. and themes for these podcasts, 
is it really just a surplus of content that you can go to and then you talk about the value add? Mm -hmm. Is that something that the shelf life is short or do you try to make it so it can be extended over time and still have value? Because I think there's, there's things you're reacting to, obviously, uh, market mm -hmm. conditions, other mm -hmm. things that would make it relevant for a time. Yep. Are you trying to play that mix? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it probably differs from episode to episode. Some of them are more foundational where we'll go into, hey, let's like really understand how a collateralized loan obligation works. We did a lot of those up front. I would say more, now we're much more leaning toward what's going on in the market right now. So there does tend to be a little bit of a limited shelf life. So for instance, I'll, I'm recording one uh, later next week with a, um, a gentleman who is head of our investment institute, which is a research arm of, of bearings. And we're gonna talk about the US election from uh, an investor's standpoint. So almost as soon as we make that one, it'll be out of date, um, <laughs> but it's on investors' minds right now. Sure. Really. So we wanna hit a couple quick hit topics here at the end. Okay which we do on, on all these podcasts. So the first one we have for you is, where did your creative inspiration come from or where do you, where do you pull that out of? Gosh, uh, I guess I've always been, I can't remember if it's left brain or right brain, but uh, whatever the one that's uh, more English and less math, which is kind of funny because I ended up in finance. Um, but I actually think that that's, that's probably, you know, I think you've heard the term skill stacking before, I think knowledge of finance along with a creative side and you know to be creative in finance it can be tough you don't have to be that creative to be called <laughs> creative in finance so um i like to think i'm creative but looking at a really talented staff like you have here i'm probably not quite on that scale you, you could fit in just fine <laughs> <laughs> so is content something that you thought about from a young age you talk about the skill building mm -hmm. that sort of came out showed its head at some mm -hmm. point where you mm -hmm. are in your current seat. Do you have anything earlier where you, you felt that? I mean, I always, I've always loved writing. You know, wrote for the college newspaper and that kind of stuff. So always liked doing that kind of stuff. Um, I actually used to really love to draw as a kid too. Um, this is gonna go really quick into a psychoanalysis of Greg Campion <laughs> that I don't think anybody wants to it's do. That's why, why you're on the couch. <laughs> That's right, exactly. 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 Am I paying for this therapy session? Yeah, right we'll, now? we'll waive the first fee. <laughs> okay. You, you okay. keep coming back. Then we might I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. <laughs> So that gives us a good transition, though, into your new book. You know, yes. you have liked writing. Now you've got a new book that's coming out. Um, tell us a little bit about it and, and the thought behind putting this together. Yep. How hard is that to do while you're also, you know, running nine other things over here? Mm -hmm. I mean, how has that process been for you? Yeah. Well, thanks for asking. I would guess for, first note is just more on the disclosure side is that this is not a bearings project. It's this true. is a Greg Campion um, project, but I appreciate you asking. It's funny, like seven years ago, I wrote a book about my experience with the CFA exams. It was called CFA Confidential. And it was basically, if you ever know anybody who takes these very complicated financial exams, have some sympathy for them because they, they're, they're, uh, they take over your life. Um, but anyways, I took those and um, failed a number of times and then ultimately passed. But I, I had a lot to say on the topic and I, and I wrote a book that was basically about how you pick yourself off the mat from failure and, and, stay, and stay at it. Um, so here I am approaching uh, this year, 20 years in the, in the workplace, and uh, you know, 18 months ago I sat back and said, you know, gosh, uh, what have I learned? And I started doing what was natural, kind of writing it down. 
Um, and then one thing led to another, and I said, you know, I think this is a book here. It's awesome. And, um, and I think really what it is, it's, it's called good, uh, Say Good Morning Like a Human, uh, 50 Unwritten Rules for Surviving the Modern Workplace and Building a Career You Love. Bit of a mouthful. But basically <laughs> what it is is um, 50 lessons that I wish I knew when I entered the workplace 20 years ago. Some of them are really simple stuff like maybe you should consider taking the earphones out once in a while. Others are like fundamentally important stuff around integrity and mapping out your career and managing your career. So it's, it's, kind, of a, it's kind of a mix, but it's, I wrote it for people, I wrote it for people who are entering the workforce today who can hopefully benefit from all the dumb mistakes that I've made over the course of my 20 year career. We want to thank Greg for stopping by and spending time with us on what was a special live streamed edition of The Hive Life. To find out more about Spiracle Media, head to spiraclebuzz.com. There you'll find examples of our work as well as other resources, including this podcast, to help you along your content journey. For Greg Campion and Tim Baer, I'm Jared Latch. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to The Hive Life, brought to you by Spiracle Media. Always remember, you can visit SpiracleBuzz.com or follow us at Spiracle Media on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn. We'll see you next time on The Hive Life.